Welcome to the Accounting Technology Fireside Chat Podcast. Now, sit back and enjoy while Nick and Trevor help you use your technology to make money and delight your clients. Well, hello and welcome back to the Accounting Technology Fireside Chat Podcast. We are back. Hello, Trevor. How are you? Hey, Nick. How are you? How are you? Long time no see. Absolutely. And certainly long time no see physically, let alone not no, long time no, no see on the podcast. Non-virtual beer together <laughs> for a while. <laughs> no, it's been a while. You've been stuck in... We've been locked down in the northern beaches. You've been locked down in Victoria. It's been, been really quite exciting, hasn't it? Uh, exciting is probably not the word, but it's been very interesting. And, um, you know... It, it's been amazing to watch uh, both our industries move so fast uh, in such a short period of time. That was uh, that was the interesting part for me to see how quickly the people moved. Probably moved into spaces that we were telling them to go to a long time ago. So that's uh, that was that was a really good part about. Um, I mean, one positive from a really bad situation. Yeah, well, certainly we've been a little bit ahead of our time, haven't we? You know, yeah. <laughs> talking about moving to the cloud, being able to work from anywhere. I remember us, us walking around at events going, hey, we can work from anywhere, and accountants looking at us going, oh, we've still got servers and things, and suddenly we're yeah. all thrust into working from home, and look where we are now. Yeah, that's right, that's right. And um, we're just, everybody's getting so much used to working from home. You know, we... Uh, as you know, I'm, I'm now working with an accounting firm called Ashford's. Um, the changes they've made in the workplace in, uh, from there, you know, things that they've been forced to do, things that they understand a lot better in terms of activity-based work environments, allowing, giving people flexibility to work from home, home, flexibility of hours. Just in my little space, that's been some real positive steps forward, and it's great for the, um, for the, for the team as well. Yeah, well, um, I worked for an accounting firm back in the early 90s when I started in my career. And they were the first company where I lived to introduce flexi time. So at that stage, they were kind of ahead. And it's like they've stopped and haven't really got ahead until now when we've all been forced to. Yeah, exactly. Everybody just, well, I don't think everybody understood activity-based work environment and were probably a little bit frightened of it. And now when they were forced to do it... um, they they realise how effective it is, and and it's become all, almost a, a leader in terms of getting people to come and work for you. People who are working are saying, "Do you provide flexible working hours? Do you allow people to work from home?" That's flowing, and you know, accounting firms especially have had to move very quickly into that space to to offer it to entice people to come and work for them, and people to stay and keep working with them. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's kind of funky. So um, let's, let's do it. So I'm thinking, what should we do? It's a welcome back episode. We've been off the air for a little while where we've got settled. You've got settled into the stuff you're doing at Ashford's. You know, yeah. I've been doing some stuff here with Tribe Tech and Tribe Dev. You know, what are the major things you've seen happen? So I, the key thing I've been thinking about, and someone's just walking into the office behind me. Isn't that cool? Look at that. Um, so one of, one of the key things I've been thinking about is the, that fact that all clouds aren't the same. We've been talking an awful lot about, you know, moving to the cloud. But when we were talking about it, we we're saying, choose the big boys, you know, go to Google Cloud, Microsoft Cloud, AWS. Yet I see yeah. all these little things popping up. In fact, I've been working with, a, 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 again, a new piece of software to manage our soccer team. Um, and that thing's hosted, I think, in some shipping container in San Francisco. Um, and, and some people are getting their vendor to host things. And yet even last week, we saw Channel 9 have an enormous security breach. Oh. I, I know how big their staff are, 
And, and yet, even this week, we're seeing an accounting firm, and he's going, well, well my, my, my wife does the IT. She knows what she's doing. And I go, so, so let me kind of, I'm talking too much, but let me paraphrase the question. If I go on the ATO website, I can probably read enough to complete an individual tax return. Correct. Uh, yep. But I'm not going to get the best result, right? No, no, no. There's no way. But there's so many people I see who go, well, I just went to a website and read some stuff, and, and I can do technology now. And I think they're the ones that get caught out. What do you think? Yeah, like, fair enough for at home and doing things at home and, you know, maybe doing your soccer team and all of that sort of stuff. You could learn and you can do a few things. But you start to get to a business. Um, there are so many things you've got to think about. You've got privacy issues. You've got um, security. You've got who owns your data, where is your data, all of these things you need to think about are just the basics. Um, yeah, okay, you can get a device. You know, remember we used to say for an accounting firm, realistically, you could go buy your device from anywhere and plug it in and plug to the net, internet and away you go. And if your device breaks, it's sort of throw away. But I, I think when you're in a business, you've got to take it a little bit more serious than that. Yep. Yeah, I, I, well, I, I'd say even, even more so as an accountant, right? Because you're... Uh, oh. You're a custodian of data. And we did a podcast two weeks ago now where we actually exposed the uh, mandatory uh, privacy breach report from the Office of the Information Commissioner. And um, funny out of that, you know, 38% um, of all breaches come out of professional services firms. Really? Yeah. <laughs> well, there's stuff that everybody wants. It used to be boring. No one ever, no one ever attacked an accounting firm. No one ever went in there, but now the the guy the the bad guys out there that are after information have realised that the accounting firm holds a lot of that information. So your tax file number, your date of birth, those sort of things are stored, um, and they can use that information. Yeah, and it, that's a honeypot, right, for um, information to do identity theft. If I've got a tax file number, a date of birth, and any other form of ID, I can do all sorts of nasties, right? Yeah, yeah, get a trustee, you find your mother's maiden name and all of those sort of things that you really need to do. But exactly, and, and the concept of, you know, like, the, you know, having that information in the right space that your data's not exposed is, is really important. You know, multi-factor authentication has come a long way in the last three to five years. You know, all of these sort of things that we talked about were needed because you have, you're moving to the cloud. And we're saying, you're going to the cloud, you've got to do it. But realistically, I remember back, during, you know, when we, when I was with Hanson's and we, we were going along and uh, we were running terminal server and all of a sudden we connected up the, the AWS server to put our MyOb onto. And as soon as we opened that up, there was an interest from someone and we had a sleeper in our terminal server that we weren't aware of. Bang, it went through and um, we had a... Well, I don't, we probably had a data breach, but that didn't. The laws around that in 2010. Bef before the days of mandatory reporting, you'd be, be yeah, a very different so, situation um, today. You know, but it was interesting. My thoughts initially were, why would anybody want to go into an accounting firm? Mm. That's boring stuff. Yeah, well, and, and, and it's not. And if you think of your client base and you think of the high net worth individuals and the companies and the company details and takeovers and mergers and competition, and, and you could sell that data for a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and it's a database. It's a business to business. It's a B2B database. It's huge. So, you so, know, so these sort of things are available. So, so reading the, the good, the bad and the ugly, right, it's still, a, you know, we're in the 40% mark still using of accounting firms still using on-premises practice management tools? 
Yep. Um, I think I think what happened was that there was a big drive to you know cloud-based systems like XPM and stuff like that, and a lot of firms went there. Um, I, you know, I think Zero pulled the brakes on it a bit. I think it all got a bit out of their hand, a bit out of control for them. So they they slowed it down. Um, then we saw Myob do their move, great soft turn up, um, and you know there, there's another drive again. It's usually as all these these bits and pieces go through. Um, but but I really think Zero did a bit of a took a bit of a breath. I think they needed to take a breath. It was just so fast. It was moving so fast in that space. Mm. Yeah, and resourcing thousands of accounting firms wanting to migrate their data from one system to another and, and their processes and their best practices and their all sorts of stuff is is not an easy change, right? Yeah, and it wasn't their um wasn't their, their what they were they were started off with, you know. I remember when Rod and uh, Wayne and uh, everybody came over and saw me and said, "Well, how do we how do we get in touch and how do we work with accounting firms?" And I said, "Well, one of the things is you know we've got to walk walk we've got to walk the walk. We can't sit there and say, oh, yeah, go and use zero, but we're still using um, on-premises and we're doing this. Yeah, move to the cloud, but we're still 80% on-prem. We needed to walk the walk. So together we came up with Hamish, we came up with a solution using Workflow Max, and then they bought it and provided that as a free service to accounting firms. So they, they moved in that space, but, you know, those sort of things. But then it turned into everybody going, well, how do I do the rest of everything that I do? And I... And that's the big discussion. You see a lot of communication between accounting firms going, well, yeah, cool. Like, I don't even know how to set up my XPM properly. I don't even know how to run my zero practice manager because we've been doing it such, you know, such an old-fashioned way. So mm -hmm. you saw firms that were keen to move to upfront pricing or monthly, you know, monthly fees and, you know, were, you know, providing fixed fee quotes and all of that really wanted to get into that space. They moved there and they, and they, for me, it was XPM provided that as a solution for me. But there are still a lot of firms still running the old-fashioned WIP-based program where they go in, they add up their time at the end of the month and say, here's a bill for the work that I've done for you. Now, not saying there's anything wrong with that. It's a business model and it works. But some of the things with XPM, just Zero Practice Manager, don't just doesn't work too well with that. And you've got to structure it completely differently. So these things have changed the way accountants are thinking and working. Um, and they're looking at tech, but it is very confusing. There is so much, getting, I, don't, I don't know how many apps are there available that integrate with um, Zero now, I think about nearly 800 yep. apps. So there's almost, there's almost a, a, you're almost saying there's a hole in the market at the moment where nobody's actually plotting out a roadmap. Well, they did and they've stopped now. They, right. Everybody's sort of, you know, for some reason or another, have, have stepped out of that space. And, um, you know, it, it, there was a drive, but there is a hole for the larger firms. I think the larger firms are really struggling with where they go with this. So, so if we were to, so just a scenario, just something I'm thinking of. If we were to sit down and say, let's map out this map of, Things which plug into zero, things which plug into zero practice manager, uh, even things that plug into CCHI firm. Yeah, what are the practice management tools? What are the super self-managed super administration tools? What are the corporate compliance tools? What are all of those? Which ones are in the cloud and which ones aren't? Which ones integrate together and which ones don't? You could actually build a kind of you know tube map of of what are the pros and cons of which things to choose when constructing your practice, right? 
Uh, and things like terms and conditions, data ownership, their, all of their underlying, you know, that stuff that, um, as a business, we've got to look a lot closer at. You know, we're going in and we connect up with something and we don't actually look at the T's and C's and the ownership of data rules and next minute we've got a data breach before we even think about it or we no longer own our clients' data. And these things need to be considered very, very carefully nowadays. And I still think we don't look at everything like that. Yeah, so I'm, I'm working with the guys at TribeTech. We started our first conversations yesterday. Is what does a secure practice look like? Right? What are the rules yeah. you want to define about data sovereignty, data ownership? What are the rules you want to define about integration? What are the rules you want to define about data islands and workflow and processing and billing and all of those? So it's, it's like the, the next evolution 15 years later of our, you know, what we called our modern practice architecture, where we drew that yeah. up when we first spoke to you. And that gave us a really good map to work around. It's like building a new one. Yeah, I think when we first built it, we had one option for each box. Yep. Maybe maybe some boxes didn't even have an option. Um, you know, oh, well, you've got to use your on-prem service for that. You yeah, know, well, we, 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 remember, we also had a box called Other. Other, <laughs> that's right. Um, but if you looked at it now, I would say you probably got five to six options for each area. Yep. Yeah. And you've got to, you know, look at all of that. And again, I say that getting the provider to provide that solution for you is not looking at your best interest. So having that's like saying to the BMW car dealership, oh, which is the best car out there? Yeah, BMW, right? Yeah, yeah. Where should I get my car serviced? Yeah, you know? BMW, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, so, you know, I used to say it all the time, like, um, you know, the and I won't go through na any names, but, you know, they would, the leaders at the, the practice management solution providers provide their advice as to which stack of applications they should use, that you should use, and then go and do deals with all those guys and have plans to acquire them and all of those sort of things um, without really looking at your business and who you are. And I think you've got to have someone independently come and look at your business and think about where you're at. You know, I, I always... You know, like I'm a massive, we, you know, I'm a massive fan of Office 365. And I always say, build your business from around that, yep. those tools, then move out. Don't go, ah, oh, I'm a big fan of Zero, and let me build all my tools around Zero. Or I'm a big fan of Myob, and I'm going to build all my tools around Myob. You're going to have some issues along the way with each one of those. Yeah, I, and, and also, I'd rather put my hat on a trillion-dollar business than even one the size of Myob or Zero, right, that then... They're not big in the grand scheme of what, what is big, right? No. You know, and, my, and, and Office 365, Microsoft have got all their, you know, they've got their trust um, rules. They've got, they've got very, very clear outlines of who owns data, who owns your documents, you know, all of that. You know, they're custodians of your data and all of this sort of stuff. They're very clear with that and what they're going to do with your data. Mm -hmm. You know, we used to say, you know, OK, well, let's go and have a look at the Google terms and conditions about what they can do with your data. And say, as an accounting firm, you probably want to steer clear of that. You know, I don't know where it is at now. Um, maybe they've changed a few things. Maybe they've got business grade apps that give you those solutions. But that was a that was just one line in the sand that we drew very early on. In the yeah, and I, and I think Google have. I know Google have two licensing models, right? There's the licensing models you get out of the box, which is when mm -hmm. you give Google. Uh, license to do whatever they want with your data forever, and there's another license you can negotiate for a fee, which gives you a different experience. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So if, if the old analogy comes in. 
if you're not paying for it, you're not the customer. Yeah, well, yeah absolutely. If you, it's like you're not, you're not Facebook's customer. Facebook sells their stuff to other people who pay the money for it. So if you're getting it for free, you are yeah, the, you are the product. Yeah, then you upset when someone uses your, your information. <laughs> that you gave them. I, I, you, you'd remember me, me telling all my kids that they had to um, read me the terms and conditions before they signed up for any social media plan. They, yeah. still, they still do that. They still do that, yeah, exactly. I, I learned, uh, you know, read the manual. I love it. I still, I said, I think I said it yesterday to somebody, you know, like, have you read the manual? <laughs> and and as, I don't know what it is. Somewhere deep down, accountants don't like reading manuals. I don't know what that is. You know, we will grab something, put it all together and go, oh, you know, why is it? Oh, now I'll go read the manual. And you used to say to me, have you read the manual before you started doing anything? You know, no. have you read the terms and conditions before you actually signed up? Did you really start read those terms and conditions before you clicked on agree? Yeah, I know you didn't. So it's okay, Trev. No, but I do now. <laughs> yeah, I know you do. Yeah, back then, it was like oh, a waste of time. I trust everybody. Cool. So anyway, I've got to tell you some exciting news, what we're going to be doing with the accounting technology fireside chat from here on in. Cool. I'm... So, so. I don't, I've got no idea on what's going on, guys. Nick's going to throw this one at live on on air. And if I have a funny reaction, don't worry. It's yeah. just that I have no idea what he's going to talk so, about. First of all, we're going to do the accounting technology fireside chat like this. We're going to record it every Wednesday and then go out to you at some time on Wednesday. So that's that's how that yeah. works. Once a month, we're going to do it live. Ah, cool. At a venue with a guest. Oh, cool. So we're going to actually invite um, a bunch of people to come along. We're going to hold it in Sydney just because it's way easier because we've got my kit here. Do I have to fly to Sydney? You certainly oh. can. Absolutely. You're more than <laughs> welcome to, but we can also do you from home. We'll do that one starting at about four o'clock in the afternoon. We'll do free drinks and nibbles for people to actually come along. And we're going to invite some really exciting guests to actually come and sit with us and talk about various aspects of tech and accounting. I can't see why we can't run a jewel event, maybe, you know, really get used to this we'll think about it yeah, yeah maybe we can run got, one in melbourne too we were going to live stream it so we've got to technologically make it work and right now my, <laughs> my live streaming kit's a bit heavy because the cameras and the lights and the microphones are all a bit much but uh we've got all that down in melbourne don't worry we've got that as well so we'll see how we go cool sounds awesome <laughs> so we, <laughs> we, we're going to do that we're working on the logistics around that right now but boy it's good to be back it is fantastic to be back and it's good to know that in the future we might be able to get together Yes. Maybe I can fly up to Sydney for the first one. Maybe. That would be lovely to actually have you in Sydney. That would be very cool. Uh, we were talking about, I was talking about how much I love Sydney the other day to people who have moved back from, moved to Melbourne from Sydney and said they like living in Melbourne a lot more. House prices are cheaper. Traffic, they reckon, is better. Don't know where that comes from. Right. Apart from the train, the, the hook turns. They couldn't understand the hook turns. Nobody understands hook turns, Trevor. You've, uh, got, to be fantastic. You've got to be the born in Melbourne to understand those things. <laughs> But we, we, we have trams here too now, so it's not all it's not all bad. Next time when we maybe maybe in the next session where I think we were talking about maybe running a meeting online or one of those, maybe I could do a demonstration on how to do a hook turn using the OneNote uh, whiteboard or the, the the Teams whiteboard. I'll do do some drawing for you all and show you all how to do a hook turn. Cool. Let's let's actually do it properly. Let's do this as a proper Teams meeting. Let's bring in OneNote. Let's let's talk about the little emoticons you can do in Teams and and wave and smile and clap and do all of that. So that sounds like a super idea. Yeah, and then things like maybe yeah, like running the getting the agenda set up um, beforehand. Now we're all doing a lot more Teams meetings. You know, um, I think a few people are going back, but I, I my 
word on the street is I think they're doing that once a quarter face to face, and then every you know the other two um, months they're doing on online seems to be the the trend that I'm hearing. But um, you know, running things like the the minutes, the tasks, the the agenda, the where you're storing all of those notes and information so people can get it rather than having to do it. How, how can you invite other members who aren't part of your organisation, board members, into your teams? How do you invite them in? I think there'd be some really good topics that we could cover off. Cool, that sounds good. Let's let's do a whole one on teams. I think that's a cracking idea because it is a very big tool and there's lots to it now, a lot more than there used yeah. to be. Cool. Right. Trevor, um, thank you so much once again. It's good, good to see you again. It's been fun. Been fun, and I will look forward to keeping this going. So next week, same bat time, same bat channel. Same, same time, same channel. Now, everybody, if you're listening to this as a podcast, please like, subscribe, leave us a comment and let us know things you want us to talk about. If you're watching this live on Facebook or YouTube, um, make sure you subscribe, make sure you give us a like, because that helps with the whole algorithmic thing, I believe. What? <laughs> oh, don't worry about it, Trevor. I'll see you later. <laughs> Thanks, see man. You later. Bye. Bye.